I'm very, very hesitant to do this episode this far out from the election, just for the record, because our politics yeah. change so fast that oh, yeah. I could release this on Wednesday, which I plan to, and by Wednesday, Wednesday morning, and by Wednesday afternoon, it's like everything's changed. So I'm just like, fuck. I'm just thinking especially, about that. Like, especially with this guy in the White House, you yeah, know, the conversation can just change on a dime. Yeah, but hopefully, yeah. hopefully this this will stay at evergreen at least three weeks. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, can we just hold on for three weeks? Like, can we just not have anything radical happen in like three weeks? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Well, let's let's get started. Uh, hello world welcome back to the flores and friends podcast we are coming off of a two-part episode this episode uh will like that two-parter will be tied into the lead up into the midterms and i have a very special guest today the flores and friends podcast political correspondent joe lusick <laughs> who lives in dc who actually works in politics on the on the upfront nothing behind the Nothing secret closed door meetings wise. He's a legitimate, <laughs> legitimate upstanding individual. Joe, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing good, John. Thanks for having me on. It's a cold, dreary Sunday here in Washington, D.C. I can't tell you how much I was looking forward to this episode because we have, like, I, I, I told you uh, we I had a bunch of friends on on that two-part, and we asked a lot of, like, broad, open-ended questions about America, but you're my guy who I want to know, I have like the 10 big Senate races I want to get to with you, and I want your sure. opinion and your like analysis on them and stuff like that. Sure. Anyway, but yeah, I was uh, we did, and then of course we're going to talk about the Saints. I think we're going to save that towards the back end because that's the really important topic. <laughs> sure, and you know, I mean, that that's looking good, so it's always good. We're going to talk politics, it's going to be depressing, and we'll end on a, on a happy note. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did have that two-parter, and um, thank you for everyone who was on, and thank you for everyone who's listened. It was arduous, but it was also very rewarding. So the two questions I basically asked my friends on, that were on, my guests that were on, were... Uh, uh, fuck, I can't... Uh, now I'm blanking. Okay, hold on. Uh, what, what were the two questions? Uh... What is um uh what is America for you? Uh fuck, no, I had them. What the hell were the questions? I can't remember the questions now. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. It's just it's I wanna get the wording right because there was there was a specific wording because I did I, I honestly like like wrote these questions out. Like I asked for advice, like how do I phrase these questions? I asked one of my coworkers, I was like, look man, how do I phrase this? Alright, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No worries. Okay. What is America for you personally as you understand it from a historical or cultural perspective, and how do you feel about it? And the second one was, do you think or feel our country is operating as it should or could be, or could it be better or worse? So if you just had to give quick answers to that, what, what would you say? I know that's those are two really big questions. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the second one's easier. America is definitely not operating as it should be. Okay. And I'll answer that question, and I think – in answering that question, I can say what I think America... America is supposed to be a, a, a liberal democracy, right? Yep. Um, and, and people say that all the time, like small L liberal, not not like liberal as in modern progressive politics, but it's supposed to be a liberal democracy in that, you know, 
freedoms and human rights are protected. Yeah. That's kind of the liberal half. We have this Bill of Rights that says you're you're free to, to more or less do whatever you want as long as it doesn't hurt others. And it's a democracy, which in the broadest sense means you are uh, public opinions are supposed to be translated into laws. Yeah. Um, you know, what people think, how people think the country should function is supposed to be translated into laws that say this is how the country should function. And that's not happening. Uh, and it's a big problem because for, for democracy to work, people have to believe democracy works. If people think, oh man, like our government just doesn't really care what I think, people tune out, they don't vote, and it just makes the pro- it's it's a death spiral. It, it makes the problem even worse. Um, and that's where we are for, for a lot of reasons. And I feel like I could we could do a whole separate podcast about that. I could yeah. talk about that for hours. But, but uh, one um, of the big uh, things that a lot of my guests said, like I told you earlier off the pod, was a lot of people were like, well, it was designed by rich white men. Yeah. And, you know, it's been working out pretty well for them until very yep. recently. So yep. that's a that's a very ugly way of looking. <laughs> that's a very depressing way of looking well, no, at our country. It's, 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 it's true. And I think part of the huge kind of cultural, political kind of backlash that we had to, to the Obama administration, which led us to Trump, was that, you know, there, there, was, there has been this huge kind of opening of politics and this kind of, over the past 50 years, we've, we've really opened politics to a broader group of people. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you could argue, and a lot of historians would argue, that the, the kind of like political stability that America enjoyed you know, for such a long time was only possible because we excluded large groups of people. Yep. And that, that, right, we basically, there was this deal, this unspoken deal that like, we will effectively stop black people from, from participating in the political process. And because of that agreement, we will like, we can come to agreement on other issues. But that, that disagreement is so divisive that we're just going to ignore it. And the solution we're going to have is just we're going to let the South stop black people from voting. And because we agree to do that, we can kind of come to compromise on other things. But once that broke down, yeah, um, it, it kind of initiated this process of huge devices. Um, and that kind of stability that we enjoyed for such a long time was only possible because we excluded a large group of people. Yeah, and that was a big, like I said, that was a big theme throughout that two-part episode. I highly recommend everyone go listen to it if you haven't already. Uh, I think there's something for everybody in there. Probably not as much conservatism as I would have liked because I was trying to be fair and balanced. But I actually don't... When I was a pilot... <laughs> when I was pilot... Uh, Making the list of people I wanted on, I realized I was like, you know, I only really have like two really conservative like friends. Like yeah, that's yeah. I'm like, is that my bubble? Is that my little echo chamber here? But I'm like, yeah. but I kind of take that as a pride because while both of my friends who are conservative are very reasonable people, I would say I think that's because most conservatives are not reasonable, and I don't want that kind of person on my show. So yeah, fuck yeah, them. Yeah. Anyway, there, there's a great uh, quote. There's a Stephen Colbert quote. You know, he was accused of having a liberal bias, and he was like, "Well, reality has a well-known liberal bias." <laughs> so you know, it's like I'm not responsible. It's not my. It's not. It's not my responsibility to like, in the name of being fair, to bring on stupid people and like people who are wrong, right? So yeah, I don't put that on you. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's get into what I, I specifically brought you on for, because again. Midterms coming up the first week of November. 
Anyone listening in Texas, early voting starts on the 22nd. Please, if you cannot make it to the polls on the Tuesday of the 6th, we have a whole week or and some change to get out there and start voting early. Please, 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 I cannot stress this enough. We all need to vote. We all need to vote this year, all right? Fucking, I've read so many stats, Joe, about millennials, like, not voting again this year. I'm like, fuck. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Why do you think that is? Do you think it's just like apathy? I, I heard one like they were like, well, I, I can't remember the source, but it was like one somebody said that millennials feel that system's fucked either way, so why bother? I'm like, but you, but, but, but it's not fucked. It's actually achievable yeah. this time. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, younger, it's always been the case that young people vote less than older people. Yeah. Um, and I think part of that is simply the, 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 the extent to which government policy really affects your day-to-day life increases yeah. pretty dramatically once you have a family, right? Yeah. And, you know, uh, and that's not to say that if, you know, you're our age, you know, most people have student loans and, we, you know, we, we still pay taxes and, you yeah. know, government policy affects us. But once you have a family, it affects you a lot more. And so kind of that, you know, people are more interested in their government. Well, you know, as they get older, because there are just more touch points, and yeah. there are more ways. But but it's also the case. It is it is also true that this particular young generation uh, has voted less than even than other young generations. I don't know why. I, I think part of it is is a sense of what you said that that a, a disillusionment with the process. Yeah, I think that was the word. That, they that said. their voice doesn't matter. Yeah, um, and. There's no easy way to, 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 to fix that because largely they're right. I mean, it's, it's frustrating to, to see really obvious cases where the majority of people agree on something and it doesn't get translated into a law. And that, that's frustrating, and we can talk more about that. But I think that um, it's just hard to, to get young people to – it's hard to convince them that their vote matters because oftentimes it doesn't. And that's, that's, that's frustrating, but that's where we are. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be a bad friend here. It, your birthday is in a few weeks, or when is it? It is. It's in a, it's in a week, yeah. Oh, happy early birthday, my brother. Thank, uh, you. Thank you very much. I forgot, because I was about to say, I was like, we're both 28. Like, you know, yeah. we we were 26 in, 20, in 2016, right? Yep. And so most of the people younger than us, you know, at the earliest, they were 16 in 2016, and now they can vote legally in 2018 as 18-year-olds. So just go with yeah. me on this. Like, they all – that there's no excuse for, like, lack of awareness or, like, lack of – like, it's not – 2016 was two years ago, people. It was like yeah. – I'm just like, guys, guys, there are so many of us that could actually change it this time if yeah. we – just get out to vote like what are we doing yeah oh gosh i'm so i'm so like i know i'm gonna it's gonna happen and they're not gonna show up as much as i want them to and i'm gonna be disgusted disgusted with yeah. my generation yeah no uh you gotta vote and you know just uh, <laughs> i don't know what else to say about that you gotta yeah. vote and, yeah and if I'm you sorry. don't vote you can't complain about uh about who gets elected so yeah anyway but let's move on to these case-by-case uh, case scenarios. Okay, so I went on – I'm using – shout-out to 538, great website, and shout-out to Vox. Great website. Great website. Uh, and they have uh, – it was updated today at 1020 a.m., I imagine, Central Standard Time, or Eastern Standard Time, the forecasting the race for the Senate. 
there's a one in five chance the Democrats win control, and there's a four in five chance Republicans keep control, which that's just that's depressing. Um, it is, it is. Um, but there's a, there's a pretty good reason for that that we can talk about um, okay. if you'd like, which is that you know only one third of the Senate is up for re-election yeah. every every two years. Yeah. Um, senators serve for six years, and then one third of the Senate is up every two years. So it just so happens that this year's map is really bad, and there are just a lot of like red state Democrats that are up for re-election, and there are not a lot of Republicans in kind of purple states that we have a chance to pick off. So that was it was always going to be the case. It's, yeah. it's almost miraculous to me. It's impressive that we have a one in five chance of taking back the Senate. Because um, if you'd have asked me a year ago, I would have said zero. Yeah. So. Well, okay, so they go on further, uh, and I'll put all the, I'll put both these links in the show notes. 23 Demo- Democratic seats not up for election. There's 42 seats on Republican not up for re-election. So there's 35 altogether, and they're predicting that it looks like it. it I mean, you, you could you could look at the uh, the link here, but like it looks like a lot of the seats are up. So we might not like take complete control, but it might be a closer control than what it currently is, I guess. I guess well, right now, it's, right now it's pretty close already. There are 51 Republicans and 49 Democrats. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even if we pick up one seat, yeah. um, it would be 50-50 and, and the Republicans still have control because as your listeners may or may not know, the vice president breaks the tie in the Senate. If mm-hmm. there's a 50-50 vote in the Senate, the vice president breaks the tie, which means if there are 50 members of each party, the, the, the president's party... Is, is still the majority party um, and still controls the agenda. So Democrats would have to pick up two seats to to, main, to, to gain control of the Senate. All right, let's let's go through these this list uh, provided by Vox. So first up, let's talk about. So Arizona is against uh, Martha McSally and Kristen Cinema. Is that is that how you say that? Cinema. Kristen Cinema. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I've heard a little bit about this. It's because of uh, old uh, Jeffy Flake, Mister Hypocrite himself. Um, yeah. is not seeking re-election, so his seat was up. So what do you th- how do you think that one's going to go? I think I think Cinema is is probably a slight favorite in that race. Um, it's it's a state. It's an interesting state. You know, it's we don't really think of it as a swing state. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think a Democrat has won that state in a presidential election since I think Bill Clinton probably. Jesus. Um, and, you know, what we think of that as a red state, but, uh, you know, obviously there's been a large increase in Latino population in that state. Yep. And so it, it's become kind of more competitive. And, and I think I think Trump won Arizona by like four points, I believe, Let me see. Um, which is crazy because Trump won like Ohio, I believe, by seven or eight points, which yeah. Ohio you think of as along with Florida as like. The quintessential swing state. Yeah, uh, for the um, and, record, and, and he, uh, Arizona was actually a lot closer than than Ohio was. Yeah, he um, won so it forty nine to forty six. There you go. Yeah, it's, it's becoming a lot more competitive, and I, I do think that um, kind of the the energy that is on our side, and especially because that's a very Latino electorate in that state, I think that Cinema has a pretty good shot of winning that seat. So that's that's probably our best. That's probably the best chance Democrats have to pick up a Republican seat. Okay. Uh, what about West Virginia? We have Joe fucking Manchin. Piece of shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna let my liberal bias slip in. I I re- I normally I try. I I honestly try to keep it as neutral as possible to not to avoid turning off anyone. 
but fuck Joe Manchin. Versus Patrick Morrissey. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, uh, when he voted, when he voted for Kavanaugh, that was incredibly frustrating. And, you know, uh, kind of my visceral gut reaction was also, fuck that guy, I don't care if he loses. Um, but, yeah, he's still, he's still a Democrat. Um, and, and, you know, any Democrat in my mind is still better than a Republican. You know, any anyone who will help the Democrats be the majority in the Senate is, is better than anyone who won't. And, you know, he, he, he did vote with us on uh, health care. Mm-hmm. When Republicans tried to repeal the ACA, he, he voted with us on that, and, and that was a really politically uh, dangerous vote for him to take. So uh, I'm not going to say that he has not taken politically courageous votes before. Yeah. Um, he, you know, it's weird. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a super red state, obviously. Yeah. But, but uh, the poll, you know, he, he was a governor there before. Somehow or another, he seems to be the only Democrat that's able to still win <laughs> in that state. And, and, and uh, I think the polling has pretty consistently shown him in the lead. So, you know, I don't really know why. I don't think I've ever... Actually, I have been to West Virginia, but I, you know, wouldn't say I know anything about their politics there. So it's odd. I wouldn't... I, I'm surprised that he appears to be coasting to re-election, but yeah. for whatever reason, he appears to be coasting to re-election. Okay, so the next up I wanted to talk about... Actually, I wanted to mention Joe Manchin. Is it... Do you think he's cuddling up? Because I was... My conspiracy theory is like... The Trump administration has, like, really made moves to support the opioid addiction. Do you think that's why he's, like, kind of calling, like trying to buddy-buddy with the Republicans that he wants that help from – to deal with the uh, opioid epidemic? Because I know it's a, probably a big factor in the Appalachians and stuff like that. Yeah, I, I mean that could be. Uh, that, that certainly could be the case, and that, that is actually one thing the Trump administration has, has done reasonably well. Um, but, uh, you know, I think, frankly, it's it's – you, you 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 can't be a liberal Democrat in West Virginia, right? Like you, you like it just at a certain point you you have to represent your state or yeah. you're going to lose. And yeah. and you know that's not necessarily a bad thing about the way our system works. It would be it isn't a good thing if you have someone representing a constituency whose views are radically different than their own. Uh, yeah. West Virginia is a very red state. I think it. Uh, I, I don't have the polling offhand, but I would imagine Trump's approval rating there is pretty high, on, definitely me, way um, higher than it is nationwide. So naturally, the the senator running for re-election is gonna have to be pretty cozy with the president. Yeah, um, he, uh, Vox says that Trump's approval rate is currently sixty three percent, the highest of any state, for the record. Wow, well, I didn't know it was highest of any state. Yeah, but that's. I mean, that's. You know, I think that's that's where we are, and. If, if the president's approval rating is 63% in your state, you're not going to win re-election by trashing. That doesn't mean you have to say nice things about him, but you at least have to It's a very, you know, it's, a very uh, it's a high wire act, huh? It's like, oh, yeah. this could be bad. Okay, exactly. let's go to exactly. North Dakota. Uh, Heidi Heitkamp, I hope I'm saying that yeah. right, and Kevin Kramer. Yeah, Heidi Heitkamp's in trouble. Uh, I think she's probably going to lose. That, that's, that's Republicans most likely pick up of a democratic seat she's she's not in a great spot and it's similar to mansion you know north dakota is just a really red state and, yeah. and it's interesting because those are two super red states and mansion for whatever reason is, is polling well there and has been able to kind of walk that tight wire that that you mentioned and i can't really hasn't been able to do that and, and i think that um, 
you know, voting against Kavanaugh, which she did, may have been kind of like the final nail in her coffin. But yeah. the polling's consistently shown her down. Yeah, Vox she, has she's them, probably going to lose. Vox has her. Vox says that uh, the article says that she has a forty-four percent approval and forty-four percent disapproval. And goddamn. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. but explain for the listeners, for those who aren't probably as aware of these sort of things as you and I are, but why did her vote against Kavanaugh hurt her, if you had to explain it to a, a layman? When, you, when you're a, a, a Democrat in like a really red state, or vice versa, when you're a Republican in a blue state, you always kind of need to distance yourself from the National Party, right? If you're mm-hmm. a Republican representing Illinois, or if you're a Democrat representing North Dakota— Obviously, your your party is really unpopular in the state that you represent. Mm-hmm. So your political survival depends on your ability to kind of appear to be independent of your party. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that's frankly a, a reason Manchin probably voted for Kavanaugh is that that's what was a, a chance for him to demonstrate. Look, I'm not like all these other Democrats. And and Heitkamp kind of had that opportunity to do the same thing and didn't. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, that definitely will be, you know. Used against her. I, would, I wouldn't be surprised to see a bunch of ads saying, Heidi Heitkamp's no better than Nancy Pelosi. You know, oh, garbage like that shit. Let's, uh, let's move yeah. on to Missouri. Claire McCaskill versus Josh Hawley. I really hope I'm saying these last names right. I don't mean any disrespect if I am not. <laughs> uh, so who do you think has got that? Yeah, that, that's a, that is to me like a... a 50-50 toss-up. McCaskill, you know, shit. Missouri, Missouri's a very red state, but it's a little bit different than the last two we've talked about, West Virginia and North Dakota, because those are, like, very rural, you know, very white states. Um, you know, there's not, like, a lot of, like, Democratic base to turn out. Yeah. Whereas in Missouri, you've got St. Louis and you've got Kansas City, right? Yeah. So there's, this, there's still these, like, pockets of, like, very liberal... You know, more diverse places that are going to have both large minority populations, large kind of like college-educated populations, kind of like more. There's a lot of Democratic base that you can doubt and vote for you. It's not just, oh, I need to convince moderates to vote for me. It's, yeah. it's, it's I can really get out my Let vote. Me... And so that's, I think, why you see someone like McCaskill was able to pretty quickly, um, you know, long before Manchin or Heitkamp announced their vote on Kavanaugh, she kind of way earlier in the process was like yeah i'm not voting for kavanaugh they uh, uh the the according to the article the direct quote this is the tightest race by polling average just 0.4 points separate holly from mccaskill with yeah. the republican currently in the lead according to real clear politics cook political yeah. report rates it a toss-up jesus yeah. no that sounds about right and you know I, I hope she'll pull it out. I, if I had to bet my life on it, I think she will. You know, anytime there is a race that's kind of a, a pure toss-up, the advantage kind of is going to lean towards the side who is more energized and more angry, and that's that's the Democrats right now. So, Do you, yeah, it's uh, like the uh, home field advantage. Like Vegas gives the home team, even if it's a pick 'em, they give them the field goal advantage, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think that that's a very very close race, probably the closest out there. But I. I had to bet my life on it. I'd, I'd say McCaskill will pull it out. Okay, let's go to Nevada. We have Dean Heller versus Jackie Rosen. I don't know anything about these two people. Yeah, so Dean Heller, um, I, I really dislike him. <laughs> um, <laughs> Any reason particularly? He, you know, he, he's the kind of, he, he is by far the most vulnerable Republican incumbent senator right now. The, the other big Democratic pickup opportunity that we mentioned was Arizona, which is, like you said, it's an open seat because Flake is retiring. Mm-hmm. Heller's, you know, running for re-election um but you know there was kind of a lot of hope on our side that because heller was running for re-election in the state that you know obama won twice and 
Hillary Clinton won in 2016, but he would kind of, you know, be a moderate, vote with us on a lot of stuff, but he's been disappointing. I mean, he, he voted for Kavanaugh, he voted he voted to repeal Obamacare, he voted for that trash Republican tax cut that passed recently. He's basically voted with them on every chance, and, and because of that, I would probably give the edge to Rosen. But Nevada's another, Nevada's another weird state like Arizona. It's like, it's, it's just got this combination of very rural, like, super conservative white people and, like, cowboys. And then also, <laughs> like, it's got this pocket of, like, really heavy minority population and, like, yeah. um, you know, city kind of liberal, yeah, they say you know, that, uh... college-educated Democrats. So it's that race is similar to what I mentioned in Missouri. That race is more of a who can turn out their base yeah. than it is, like, who can convince the moderates. And, and again, like, like with Missouri and like with Arizona, I think... In those kinds of races, the edge is going to go to the Democrats this time because they're more their their base is more motivated to vote. Yeah, they say in the article, Nevada is a state with an increasingly active Latino and labor dominated Democratic base. I don't know why yes. any labor would ever vote for the Republicans, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah, no, that's 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 a good point. All right, let's move on to a big one. Uh, I don't know if it's a big one, but it's a big state, uh, Florida. We have uh, Bill Nelson versus the former governor, Rick Scott, and fuck Rick Scott. I don't like that guy either. No, Rick Scott's terrible. It, it's weird. Like, Rick Scott has, has been, like, unpopular his entire political career, and yet he, like, keeps, <laughs> keeps winning. winning. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, like he, would, he was, in his first term as governor, he was really unpopular. His approval rating was always in the low to mid-40s, and yet he won re-election somehow. His approval rating has pretty much stayed in the low to mid-40s. And now he's in a toss-up race uh, for Senate. So it doesn't help that Bill Nelson is just like, he's kind of old. He's like not re- even a little bit charismatic. <laughs> um, I think if we had like a better candidate, Bill Nelson's not a bad senator. He's just like not really a good candidate anymore. And so that's that's working against him. But I think in Florida, there are a lot of factors working in our favor. Obviously, it's a it's an increasingly diverse state. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of Puerto Rican, not not immigrants. Immigrants is the wrong word because Puerto Ricans are Americans. Yes. But Puerto Rican Puerto Ricans who moved from Puerto Rico to Florida after the hurricanes that hit last year, um, <laughs> who will now be able to vote for the first time because Puerto Ricans can't vote yeah. um, for, for reasons that are confusing. Um, but so that that is working in, in the Democrats' favor. There's also a, as uncharismatic as Bill Nelson is, there's a governor's race in Florida where the Democratic candidate's a guy named Andrew Gillum, who's who's kind of very, you know, charismatic, great candidate, good campaigner. And so hopefully he will kind of draw a lot of people to vote. And while they're there to vote for him, they'll just vote for Bill Nelson as well. So that's kind of what we're hoping While we have you here, if you plan to vote Democrat, you might be interested in this guy. Like that right, kind of exactly. shit. Exactly. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. All right, let's move on to Indiana. Mm-hmm. We have Joe Donnelly versus Mike Braun. Yeah. Donnelly is sitting at a 41% approval rating and a 34% disapproval. How do you think that one's going to go? That's another toss-up. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned that I thought uh, Heitkamp is the most vulnerable Democrat. Do- Donnelly might be number two. Indiana's just a red state. And, and uh, Indiana's actually more similar to Missouri in that, like, most of the state is, like, this very rural, very white area, and that's going to favor Republicans, but you've also got, like, Indianapolis, right, and, and like, South Bend, and these, like, pockets of, of that are really liberal, so it becomes a base turnout game as well. Um, I think, 
He has the guy down who's running against is also just like a terrible candidate. Mm-hmm. It's this this guy named Mike Braun who's a businessman who's never held office before. Does that sound familiar? Yeah. Um, but you know, he like kind of ran. He like once he won the primary, the Republican primary, he kind of just coasted and thought, oh, I, I don't need to campaign anymore. Didn't do a good job of raising a lot of money. Hasn't really campaigned a lot. So I think that might be one that we win just because Republicans keep committing unforced errors, but um, it's definitely a race we, we, we could lose, and I it's like, one to keep an eye on. I like I like this line. This is so mind-boggling to me. Uh, this is one of the least polled races around, and we've seen everything from Braun up one point to Donnelly leading by 12. It works out to a 2.5 average lead for the Democratic incumbent. So nobody gives a fuck about Indiana? Is that what's going on here? I guess. I don't I don't know why that is. I will say this. You you've mentioned poll average a couple times. Yeah. I hate I hate polling averages. Okay. Because they don't actually mean anything. All right. Basically, you know, if you have two different polls that have two different samples and yeah. like, you know, they're measuring two totally different groups of people, two totally different things. One poll might be a poll of likely voters, one poll might be a poll of registered voters. And they actually just don't mathematically they're not particularly useful. But yeah. I, I would look at you mentioned 538. 538, in addition to doing like a national, what is Democrats' chance of taking back the Senate and the mm-hmm. House, they do like a race by race. And they, they have like a very advanced model that takes into account polling, takes into account, you know, economic factors. So I kind of stopped looking at polling average and yeah. just look at that. But, um, you know, I, yeah, it's a lot of these races are just what your sample happens to be can really change the outcome a lot, which yeah. is why you see a sample up. You know, one poll with Donnelly up 12, and then one poll with a tie. So you, we just don't know. All right, let's move on to uh, Tennessee. We have Bob Corker retiring. Uh, we have Marsha Blackburn and Phil Bredesen? Bredesen, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. I was about to say Bredesen? Bredesen? Yeah. Oh, it's always the former governor. Okay. How do you feel about Bob Corker? <sighs> Fuck Bob Corker. like... <laughs> I, I, I like all these Republicans, you know, that that talk the talk about being, you know, this check on Trump, and you know, we're the reasonable Republicans, we're the ones here holding the government together, and then every opportunity that to, you know, where they're really needed to like take a stand against something reprehensible that Trump did, they they invariably fold like a cheap launcher exactly, and it's it's with Jeff Flake and it's with Bob Corker, um, Lindsey Graham, I lost. Any modicum of respect I had for after the Kavanaugh hearings. Um, I mean, hopefully he gets nominated next year for Best Oscar. I mean, it was quite a performance. Yeah, he had real tears and everything, man. That was impressive. That was, that was something. I, the, the 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 SNL episode. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you saw the cold open with like Matt Damon and Kate McKinnon. Yes, but it yes, was, yes. Kate McKinnon is like a national treasure. She, she someone needs to give her. Like yeah. a Medal of Honor or something. I mean, Kate if you think about that show's forty-year history, she might be in the conversation to like the goat to ever come out of that show. Like, she is so incredible. Like, like I mean, you gotta. This is a little bit of a sidebar, but like, if you think about like, obviously like Murray, Belushi, uh, Sandler, Rock, yeah. uh, uh, Eddie Murphy, like all those greats, like Will Ferrell and. You know all these people, and you're like, she might be the best of all time. She's fantastic. I, I have I have John Belushi as the goat to come off of SNL, but I think you're right. She's in the top five. She could. She. I, I would hear the conversation. Anyway, let's move on to. Oh wait, did you say? Did we even talk about? No, we didn't talk about this. We talked about Bob Corker, but we didn't talk about this. I don't think we're gonna win. 
that one. You know, I think it's there was a lot of hope for it. We got a good candidate, but uh, I just think it's too red of a state. All right, uh, let's move on to Montana. Fucking Montana. John Tester versus Matt Rosendale or Rosendale. Yeah, yeah. Matt, Montana's a weird state. Um, John <laughs> you <Tester>. don't say. <laughs> I, I've never been, but just their politics are so weird. Like, you know, you ask the you ask the voters like, what what's your biggest issue? And like, pretty much everywhere, it's like economy, jobs, healthcare. In Montana, like, people really care about like dark money and campaign finance reform. It's weird. I what? like that's like their big issue there. They like really care about campaign finance reform. Uh, which is great because it's an important issue. But it's just odd that in this one random western state <laughs> everyone cares about that. Um as like their number one issue. So, that's so I think weird. Will hold on. Um He's like, you know, he's like not your typical Democrat. He like drives a tractor um, and, you know, he's a farmer. He's not, he, he like just fits in well there and they like him. I, I think he'll be fine. That's so weird. Like I would have thought like, you know, grazing rights and land rights. Yeah, and yeah, land conservation is also a huge issue. Okay, okay. All right. Yeah, well, yeah all right. But that, would, that makes sense. But also like, wow, dark money and campaign finance reform. I would never have picked that. Indeed. Anyway, Indeed. Let, okay, so I saved the big one. The one that affects me the most for the very sure. last, uh, that would be Texas. Uh, we have the incumbent, Senator Ted, the most punchable face in politics, Cruz, versus Beto, the great white hope, uh, O'Rourke. <laughs> yeah. So be honest with me, man. Like, I really – like, I want to drink the Kool-Aid here. I really want to drink the Kool-Aid, but I'm expecting my heart to be broken. Yeah, um – First of all, you're right about him having the most punchable face in politics. It's I just, mean, I haven't heard anyone who disagrees with me yet. Like I've said that several times. It's just, it's just true. Just <laughs> look at his face. Um, and I'm a pacifist. I, mean, I don't, I don't preach violence, but I just, I call it like I see it. The man has the most punchable face. Like it's just yeah. a face screaming. Someone please dislocate my jaw. Like that's, that's what I'm saying. Anyway. Um, I, yeah, I, I want. I, I like you. I, I, I want to be optimistic about this race. Texas is definitely a state that is is getting more diverse, getting purpler politically. Um, you know, Romney won Texas by I think sixteen points in twenty twelve, and then Trump only won it by eight. So essentially, you cut that margin in half in in four years. I don't. I just don't know that there are enough Democrats yet for a Democrat to win statewide. I think. I think it'll be really close. I think. I think he'll keep it in like below single digits. I wouldn't be surprised to see Cruz win by like four or five points. But I, I do think Cruz is going to win. You know. I mean, Beto raised what? I think it was like thirty-eight million dollars. It just came out, which yeah. is a fuck ton um, of money. I mean, just he, he shattered the record for like most fundraising by a Senate candidate mm-hmm. in a in a quarter. And and frankly, there's just isn't enough to spend all that money, right? Like, he, you, he literally cannot spend that much money. There just yeah. isn't enough, there aren't enough things to spend it on. So as much as it's great that he raised a lot of money, like, you're listening and you're like, I should donate to Beto. Don't. Donate to a different Democrat because yeah. he just doesn't, there's, he could buy every ad in every market in the state for the rest of the, the next three weeks and it won't cost him that much money. So, it's a little bit frustrating. I wish people had, like, diversified their 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 donation checks a little bit more but i get it he's like a really charismatic guy ted cruz is a very hateable guy and and uh you know people you know the prospect of like a democrat winning in texas is really exciting and it's also exciting that he's he's like 
run this campaign, he's run as a liberal, right? Like, yeah. he hasn't really run as, like, a middle-of-the-road guy. Yeah. He's, like, run, you know, I'm not going to take any checks from, from corporate PACs, and, and, you know, he's good on criminal justice issues. He came out and supported Colin Kaepernick kneeling, which is not something you'd expect of a Democrat trying to win a race in Texas. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, so it's, it's exciting, and, like, I don't think we're going to win that race, but if it's close, that is a, that is a, a moral victory, right, to, for Democrats to know that Texas is winnable. Yeah. We haven't won a statewide race in Texas in I don't know how long. So um, that, that's exciting. It's a really exciting race. If it's within five points, I'm happy. So, so what would you say let's, – let's do this as like a choose-your-own-adventure here, right? Like say uh, the Democrats' best-case scenario – what do you say? What do you, what would you tell like me, a, dim, a, a liberal voter? Like, what would you say? Like, what's okay? So, the, what's the next step? You mean with the Senate? Yeah, no. What I'm saying, like, imagine, like, let's just forecast, like, uh, the midterm elections are, let's say, the Democrats win as much as they can, like, best case scenario. Okay, so now that we 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 have this in place, what's the next step? Like, where do we go for this? So, if the Democrats win back the Senate and the House, yes, um, which is I mean, uh, we haven't talked about the House at all. We're. I figured there were I too many races. I thought that that like I, I feel like we could have spent all day on the House, and I was like, oh hey. yeah, yeah. We, we don't. I, we don't need to go race by race through the House. That would take hours. But I, I, I would. Ju- I will just say that there is a very good chance Democrats take back the House. Oh, I, good. I would. I would put it at about eighty percent chance Democrats take back the House. Nice. Um, whereas with the Senate, it's it's more or less the inverse. It's about a twenty percent chance. But if we take back both houses of Congress. Um, you know, I think you'll see Democrats push through a legislative agenda. You, I think you'll see us do something on health care, um, repeal a lot of the terrible tax shit that Republicans did. You know, yeah. and I think you'll see Democrats push through campaign finance reform. It, it, it's a good question because there's so much yeah. that Democrats want to do. And oh. if you're asking, you know, what what, what's, what are the priorities going to be? What what's kind of going to come? And that, and that doesn't even mention if, if Democrat, even if Democrats just win back the House, yeah, um, subpoenas are going to be flying. I mean, we, we've basically been in a position since Republicans control both chambers that we cannot exercise oversight over Trump because they won't let us. If all we have to do is take back one chamber, um, which if we only take back one chamber, it's going to be the House to to essentially, you know call before Congress anyone we want to yeah. and start asking questions about Russia and you know his, um, his, his I, I, personal I finances you'll see, yeah. you'll see a lot of like televised primetime committee <laughs> uh, hearings with, with uh, Democrats kind of finally getting the chance to get answers from people under oath about what the hell happened yeah c-span's uh, ratings are gonna go Russia, through the they're gonna collision. go through the roof man <laughs> oh yeah yeah i think uh, i think you anyone from montana listening i think you made them very happy with like oh we got to talk about the, <laughs> if we if we went as much the uh, we'll start with campaign refinance and everyone in montana was like yes yes that is where we need to be if you have any listeners in, my, in montana i'm with you it's oh man I, so just as an aside like soundcloud uh gives me kind of stats breakdown of like people who listen and i don't have like a lot of listeners i'll be honest but i do have some and I, it's it's so mind-boggling it's so weird like uh, like people who listen outside of the u.s like it's like what how 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 does that work but anyway anyway, <laughs> anyway, anyway. okay so let's talk about worst case scenario let's say yeah. either we still have the status quo or you know we lose more seats than we would like uh what do you, what do you think 
we do going forward. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the worst case scenario is we, we don't win the Senate or the House. Yeah. Um, I think you'll see a a overthrow of the congressional leadership. I think you'll see Nancy Pelosi get pushed out of the door. Because um, if we can't win the House now, we're never going to win the House. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I think you'll see kind of a huge reckoning about what did Democrats do wrong. The good news is our base will be very are, – are that, like – the, the the trouble with winning is always that your base gets complacent after you win. Yeah. Which is why almost every midterm election ever, the president's party loses power because the side that won last time gets comfortable and gets complacent yeah. and is inherently less angry and frustrated than the side that lost. Yeah. So the only good thing I could think of if we lose in the midterms, then our base will still be angry come 2020 and we'll have a better chance of knocking off Trump. But no, I, I would consider that pretty catastrophic. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we're going to at least win the house. Okay. And I think the most likely scenario is that we win back the house, that we don't take back the Senate and maybe even lose a seat in the Senate. Um, but I think what, I mean, what's, what's going to happen in that case, in that like most likely middle of the road scenario is okay. just, you know, it'll be two years of gridlock the House, Democratic House, will pass some things that the Republican Senate will never take up. The Republican Senate will pass some things that the Democratic House will never take up. Trump will vent anger and talk about how Democrats are sad and obstructionist lame and, and yeah. obstructionist. And essentially, it, it, we, we get to a situation where just nothing is going to happen in Congress for two years, except the one substantive thing that will happen in Congress is, is um, you know, Congressional investigation of the Russia yes. collusion situation, um, and then you know, basically, what, what has happened so far is it's just been the Mueller investigation. Yeah, um, and the Mueller investigation is inherently secret, and we only learn about what's happening in the Mueller investigation either when they're when they do something right, when they issue a subpoena that's public, or when Trump leaks something about yeah. what he knows about it, <laughs> right? Because Mueller himself is not saying anything. Yeah, and, and that's not to say that Congress, a congressional investigation, will actually lead to his leaving office because, you know, as you know, the House can impeach a president with, a, with just a majority vote, but then it takes two-thirds of the Senate to remove a president from office. So that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, but what, what, what will happen is Democrats will have a chance to make public a lot of stuff that only Mueller knows. Yeah. Um, and we'll actually get a chance to force people to publicly testify under oath um, about what happened. And these, a lot of these people have only so far had to privately testify under oath to Mueller. So we're going to learn a lot. For example, we'll get Trump's tax returns, yeah. which at this point I think it's pretty obvious that there's some embarrassing stuff in there. Um, Very much. Otherwise, again, there's just no reason that he wouldn't have released them by now. And the New York Times just did a massive investigation, essentially accusing him of about right fraud. Dog, um, that was such a great. Like, I don't sit down and read a lot of like long reads like that. That was yeah. such a fascinating read. Yeah, you, you, everyone listening should read that. It's, 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 you know, it's kind of dry because it's ultimately an article about taxes, which is yeah. pretty boring. Um, but it really does outline. A combination of, of things he did that were yeah. legal but really shady and like outright illegal. Well, I, mean, I also thought that the family drama towards the end with the will, like he was trying to get the will yeah. changed. I was like, dude, I was riveted. I was just like reading that the entire, like I literally stopped working at my gig and just read that entire article because I was fascinated. Yeah, it, it's just so important. I think that 
we get so used to Trump being Trump and, and it's just one story after another that's ridiculous and we kind of have to sit back and remember this man is a criminal. Like, forget Russia. For, yeah. You know, forget Russia. This is a guy who is a serial sexual assaulter. Uh, we know that for sure. We, we know pretty much for sure that he has cheated on his taxes throughout his life. Yeah. We know pretty much for sure that he basically has, has like, used Trump hotels as a front to launder Russian and Iranian money yeah. for most of his adult life. Like, this dude is a criminal. Yeah. Um, and and he, is, he is guilty of a number of white-collar crimes, not to mention sexual assault. Um, and I think that we'll just, we haven't really had a chance to talk about that. Yeah. Because, con- because any investigation that's happening in Mueller is private. Democrats don't control the congressional agenda. Um, so it's just kind of up to the media to talk about that. And the media is always distracted by whatever they're distracted by. So yeah. it'll be a chance for us to have committee hearings saying, like, look, here's evidence that this guy cheated on his taxes for decades. Yeah. Here is evidence that he actually owes the IRS $50 million, right? Like, stuff like that. And, and it'll just be that, that as much as it won't actually, like, have a substantive effect of leading him to leave office, it will give us a chance to kind of sh- show people that the emperor has no clothes. Yeah. Uh, great points. Really great. So great. Um, <laughs> the greatest. <laughs> the, greatest uh, the greatest ever. And I'm sorry. I like, you know what? I'm not sorry. Fuck that. I don't give a, I'm not apologizing for Trump bashing anymore. I was so, I, I've been trying so hard to like not outright bash that man, but fuck that guy. You, I was so dude. I, like I said, I read that entire article. I was so mad. Like, I was like, this man is a lifelong criminal. He's a lifelong con artist, like you were saying, Joe. And 63 million people voted for this man. Yeah. What? You want to read something else? I'll, I'll give you one more. This is it's like a, a old, I think it's from like a year and a half ago, but there's an article in The New Yorker um, about the, uh, a failed Trump hotel in uh, Azerbaijan, of all places. And, and, and The New Yorker kind of goes through how basically they, they they pretty much prove that this was a, a like front to launder illegal Iranian money. Yeah, I have um, it, I have it right here. It's called Donald Trump's Worst Deal. I'll uh, I'll put it in the yes. show notes if anybody wants to listen to it or read it. Read read that article. It's it is it is eye opening and kind of exposes how fucking crooked this guy is. Um, it's 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 crazy. Anyway, let's move on to something we both. That is actually bringing joy to our lives as it stands. They've also broken our hearts several times. We're riding on the train, man. We're on board the bandwagon. Not that we were ever off the bandwagon, but at least this time we're doing it with smiles. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Joe, Joe and I are really big, as New Orleans natives, really big Saints fans. So far, we're looking pretty at 4-1. and one. We had that awful Bucks game at the start of the season, and now we're sitting on a bye. I mean, we're coming off a great, great game that left us all on a high with Drew breaking the record. Uh, And so what I think me and Joe are going to do is we're going to go through the rest of the 11 games, and we're probably going to pick, you know, as it stands, how do we think we're going to – how we think the rest of the season is going to shake out. So you ready to go, Joe? I'm ready to go. Okay, so Baltimore. We play Baltimore next in Baltimore. I think we can get – I think we got that. It depends on the weather. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's always a tough place to play. They're they're a gritty team. I think they have a top five defense, so that'll be a good test of how. But they our did lose really to Cleveland. They did lose to Cleveland, but I was thinking about this. Are we sure Cleveland's bad? I don't think they're they're okay. They're not Cleveland of old, but they're definitely not like Cleveland. Cleveland almost beat us. They did. Cleveland tied the Steelers. Yes. Uh, Cleveland might not be bad. 
They're not. I didn't say. Um, I didn't say they were bad. <laughs> I just think they are average at best. Yeah, I mean, so the Ravens. I don't think their offense is very good. I think Joe Flacco is the most overrated quarterback in football. Um, <laughs> I, I don't get it. He like, and he's one of the best paid. And it doesn't make any sense. He's he not had very that, good. He had that one great year, man. Yeah, and, and he had that. It really wasn't even a great year. He had one great playoffs. Yeah, they but, won that Super Bowl. But and the, he wasn't even that good during the regular season. But he just the, had, uh, was really good in the playoffs. The organization, he he was like, nah, I'm not going to take an extension. You're going to ne- negotiate with me after this season, and then he goes and wins the Super Bowl. Boom. That's a that's psh, only in America, yeah. man. Only in America. Yeah. So you, well, you know, I, you know, in Baltimore, it, it's going to be a really interesting test for our offense. It's, it's, I mean, our offenses look totally unstoppable. Yeah. Even against Cleveland, which was the one game where we didn't really make points rain, our offense looked good. It was just, it was really fumbles that was the reason we didn't put up mad points there. Not to mention, I think we missed a couple field goals. But it, it'll be if if we can drop thirty on Baltimore, I think it's a pretty good indicator that we can outscore anybody. I think we. Um, uh, I'm going to put it down as a win. All right. Go for it. <laughs> okay, next up, and now, and this is the like the little not so challenging game, hopefully. And then we have a gauntlet, man. We have the Vikings, the Rams, the Bengals, who are a lot better this year. The Eagles, yeah. and then we cap it off like right be- right on Thanksgiving Day with the Falcons at home, which is going to be a very interesting Thanksgiving because my stepdad's side of the family is going to be in town. And they're Atlanta Falcons fans, so that's going to be very interesting at Thanksgiving. Like watching that game with them. <laughs> nice. Uh, I'm not looking forward to it. I mean, I'll be looking forward to them. They're good people. So like, but that's Are not going to be. New Orleans yeah. Oh, always. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So Vikings. Eh. Um, yeah, the Vikings have been weird this year. I, I mean, don't know. They, they, were, they were so good last year, and then they had Kirk Cousins over the off season, and you know. They were as good as they were last year with Case Keenum at quarterback, so you think they'd be better with Cousins, but they've struggled. I mean, they haven't looked great. Yeah. You know, they got like they got their asses kicked by the Bills, I think. Yeah, smoked. Yeah, so I don't really know what to think about Minnesota. It's a road game. It's in the dome, us, but I, I believe they play in a dome. They, right? It is so in the dome. Like a, yeah, so so I don't think we have to worry about weather or anything there, and I think we're the better team. I like that as a win. Um, and I think right. the week after that, we have the Rams, right? The good thing about that game, although if we had to play in Southern Cal, like in October or November, that's not the worst place to play in in November. But like, it is in the Dome. We do play the Rams in, in the Superdome. Yeah. the Ram, I mean, the Rams' offense looks really good. They're really fucking good. Is re- I, I think the key against a team like the Rams is is running the ball and you know their their coach actually reminds me of like sean payton 10 years ago he's like he's really creative he's kind of like at the forefront of all these different kind of changes in the way nfl offenses are running and he's probably he's in the middle of everyone to react to him <laughs> he's probably in he's the a middle of a, a viking in addiction it's i mean it's oh no doubt, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> um but the rams are scary good and and um i think with a team like that again i, I think we can probably out we can out shoot anybody but the rams also have a really good defense yeah. so i think with a team like that you know they have great corners and, and i think you got to just be able to, to run the ball against them yeah. control the clock keep their offense off the field and you know for as long as you can and let drew work but th- that that's that's going to be a tough one wouldn't uh, be surprised to see us lose that, but but it's great to have Ingram back because I think that's the kind of game where having Ingram back makes a huge difference. I'm gonna, Ingram lets us, you know, it's not that Kamara isn't enough, but Ingram just the way he runs and his ability to run between the tackles gives mm-hmm. us that 
clock control option that you don't always have when it's Breeze and Camara who are the focal points. Um, I'm going to put it down as a tentative win, but it's more of a 50-50 <laughs> for us because we have the home field advantage. I'm probably I had this marked down as a win preseason, I think, but this next match against Cincy in Cincinnati in November, I think we're going to yeah. lose that game because they're actually kind of good. So I'm going to put yeah, that as a loss. I think they're 4-1 and one as well. You know, they... I, I I don't I haven't watched much of the Bengals this year, so I don't really know that much about them. I do know that they have really talented receivers, so I think that's a game where you know you need our, the, the the difference between the game, the kind of last two games that we've dominated, yeah. versus the first three games where we lost one and kind of barely won the next two with our secondary. Yeah. Our secondary really struggled the first couple weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the kind of game where your, your secondary, your, your corners need to be on their game because A.J. Green will, will eat you and your family. Yes. So yeah, Marshawn Lattimore's got to be healthy and he's got to be on his game for that kind of game for us to win that. They did beat the, they did beat the Ravens week two, 34-23. Yeah. They beat the Panthers – Oh, no, the Panthers beat them 31-21 the next week, and then they did beat the 25-point lead blowers in by 37-36, to and I'm talking about Atlanta for anyone who's not aware. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Cincinnati will be tough. I mean, the, the Bengals kind of often kind of start the season hot and then yeah. reveal to you towards the end of the season that they are, in fact, still the Bengals. Speaking of which, I did so, want to so talk to you. maybe by then they won't be yeah, as I, scary, but right where we're sitting now, they look like a good team. I did want to, once we're done with the Saints. I did want to get your pick on the uh, on the Patriots Chiefs tonight, but we can talk about that after we've done the Saints because that's a really it's a really big game. I'm really looking forward yeah. to that game tonight. Yeah. Next we have Philly in the Dome. I think we can win that game because they're not looking. I mean, obviously things will change in the next few weeks, but like we'll get a more a, a better evaluation of them this season. But I think we can win that game, man. Yeah, in the Dome. That, that's at home, right? Yeah, that's in the Superdome. Yeah, I mean, the Eagles are weird, man. The Eagles, like, they won the Super Bowl. They went on that great run. They were dominant on both sides of the ball, like, all year last year, even after they lost Carson Wentz. Yeah. And this year, they just don't look sharp. Um, even in, you know, this this past Thursday night, they beat the Giants, and they beat the Giants pretty easily because the Giants are trash, but they didn't even look that good beating the Giants. It looks like their defense has a lot of holes, and, and I, I think they're beatable. I mean, they have time to get it together. They're clearly a very talented team. They're Yeah. You know, substantially the same team that won the Super Bowl last year. They didn't really lose any any of their major pieces, but yeah. they, they've got the talent to beat anybody. But they just don't seem to have it all together this year. Um, so I think we can win that game. All right. Next up, I I'm definitely putting this down as a win. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons on Thanksgiving Day in the Dome. There's no way. There's no. Come on, man. There's no Come way. On, there's no way we're gonna lose that game. I I will go on the record right now. I there's no way are you gonna lose that game. Even though it's on a Thursday and it's on a short week, there's no I cannot no. I cannot that is not a reality. I know I said this about the twenty sixteen election, but that is not a reality that we exist in. Like that is not possible that we are gonna lose yeah. that game. Yeah. And, and I'm any, with you. <laughs> um, we don't need to spend any more breath talking about the, the Atlanta Falcons. We're we're winning that one. Okay. We can move on. So next one. So then we we play another Thursday night game, like the week after Thanksgiving. Uh, we That's go, so weird. That like, is I really didn't weird. Know that the schedulers let that happen. Well, it is a week, so it's like it's it's basically Sunday to Sunday, right? But I guess it's just yeah. Thursday to Thursday. Uh, yeah, and, and I think it's against Dallas, right? Yeah. Who also, we'll play on Thanksgiving. Yeah. So also, both uh, teams have the full week. We have we we we're playing in Dallas, and I might you know what I might find a way to go. 
to that game, and if I can find tickets with a reasonably priced, I might try and find a way to get in there because I've never been into Jerry's World, and I'm really curious to see what it's like. But uh, if not, I might just go – like I might have family come up here, and we might either go to Dallas or like hang out here and stuff like that. But yeah, I think we can – I mean the, the current Cowboys look like hot trash. Yeah, they're a mess. I, you know, I, I don't want to – they're talented. I don't want to say it's an easy win. It's definitely not easy to beat a team like that on the road, but they just don't – they don't look good. Dak Prescott might be bad at quarterback. Who knows, man? Uh, so <laughs> He doesn't really have anyone to throw it to. It's not like quarterbacks can just throw it to themselves. Yeah, and their offensive line, which was like a strength for – for, for those past couple of years where they were such a dominant team, uh, their offensive line was kind of the focal point of that, and, and they're kind of they're kind of trash now. So I, I, I don't I don't think the Cowboys are a very good team. Okay, so next we play at Tampa Bay, which is going to be a big game because I mean they smoked us, but I think they just caught us sleeping, man. Like I don't know what the hell that was. <laughs> yeah, it was odd. I mean they they beat us week one, then they beat Philly week two, and then the next two weeks they've sucked. They got absolutely obliterated by a team who weirdly might be good which is chicago yeah. um, i don't know where the fuck they came from but the, but i think they lost like 48 to 7 to chicago so tampa bay i, I don't know what to think about tampa bay um, obviously they beat us in new orleans they can beat us in tampa but the, the, yeah they might have just caught us sleeping it was first game of the season we should have been on them but fucking ryan fitzpatrick had like the game I mean, of his life but, but that seems to always happen to us though i think we've lost like four week ones in a row five right? actually that was five. the fifth that was so, the fifth you know it's not unusual yeah dude, they got destroyed they got destroyed by Chicago last week 48 what was the score 48 to 10 they let Chicago score 48 points on them right Jesus right. and that like Chicago is a team with like a second year quarterback yeah <laughs> right like they're not this This is not like a powerhouse offense so okay so I'm gonna put that down as a win. So I think I think I think we have the same score at fifteen and one. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> no, the really tricky one is gonna be Carolina because we don't play Carolina until the back end. Yeah, I think I think we have like the the two of our last three games are against Carolina. And right? Yeah, and the one in the middle is is uh, Steelers, but they're looking pretty shitty right now. But and we also play them at home, so I'm gonna put that down as a win. But let's talk about these last two Carolina games. The first one is the seventeenth. We play them at Carolina. Uh, and then the last game of the season, the 30th, we play them in the Dome. Split? Yeah, I mean, I, we beat Carolina three times last year. Yeah. So I don't see why we can't beat them. But Carolina, you know, Carolina is only as good as Cam Newton. Uh, you know, their offense is just so focused around him. Their defense isn't that great. I think it's kind of middle of the road. You know, for, for, for Cam, that's I think that's their problem. Is Cam Newton just has to be really good for Carolina to beat anyone. Yeah. And if, if, if he has a bad day, they just can't win because yeah. their offense is so focused on him. And so, you know, I, I think we're better than Carolina. Yeah. A split is not out of the question. They can certainly beat us on any given week. Yeah. So when, he, when he's on, I mean, he's, he's really on. Yeah, we have a really um, hard time with mobile quarterbacks. Like, really hard uh, time. Uh, and when he's on, I mean, he's one of the most talented guys in the league. So, uh, yeah, we can call that a split if you want. Again, I, we beat them three times last year, and I don't think they're a significantly better team than they were last year. So, so I think I think we can both agree at least ten wins. I mean, that's only six more win- six more wins than we already have right now. Uh, I think we can. I think it's safe to say. And I think I I think I said this at the beginning of the season, like preseason, like thirteen and three, twelve and four. You know, win the division, hopefully. And uh, that's that's not out of the question. Our, our schedule is brutal. I mean, there wasn't 
you know, you go through those those what is it, eleven games we just talked about. Yeah. Not a single one, except except at home against Atlanta. On, Not a on Thanksgiving, one am I like really really confident? Yeah. Um, we might be like a slight favorite in every game for the rest of the year, probably except the Rams. The Rams yeah, that's are probably, probably the be only one. Yeah. But you know, at Cincinnati, we might be an underdog by a little bit. But but you know. I don't think we're overwhelming favorites in any game for the rest of the year. No. Um, I kind of, you know, our, our easy games were towards the beginning of the schedule. So yeah. We also, in the NFL, it happens all the time that teams look really good in October and then they're trashed by December. I mean, look <laughs> at, like, Buffalo last year. Last year, I think when we played Buffalo, they were 5-1 and one, and they looked like they were a playoff team. And I think they did end up making the playoffs, but they were, like, 10-6 and six at the end of the year. They'd, like, lost five of their last six games. So yeah. you just never know. By the time we play Cincinnati, they could be a 500 team. So um, By the time we play Philly, it could be that they have won, like, six in a row. And yeah. They look terrifying. So we just don't know. Yeah, it's still early. But, let's, but now that we've agreed on that, I did want to get your thoughts on this K- this KC New England game. Do you think Mahomes yeah. is legit, man? Do you think he's the real deal, or you think they're gonna? I mean, for the record, the past few years, like I saw a stat that like Kansas City's like started each season like five and zero or better, like for like the past four or five years or four years, and Kansas they've City never won a habit of, win- of winning early. I-, I really like Mahomes. I actually said before the season, I'm on the record that Mahomes is a special quarterback. I think the Patriots win tonight. It's in Foxborough. That's a big Belichick factor. Belichick just always seems to, you know, dial up the exactly the right game plan when he's in these big games. Mm-hmm. And, and you just have to kind of strain to think of, like, big games that, that Belichick loses. But, like, I think the Patriots are just going to be they're going to be on for it and but I, I you know in the future i think i think the chiefs are a team whose offense in five years if they keep everybody could be scary good because you look at kareem hunt you look at tyreek hill patrick Mahomes is incredibly talented the chiefs could be like the next patriots after brady finally retires if it in fact turns out that he's not a robot which is possible nah man um, that dude definitely sold his soul to the to lucifer like that it's not <laughs> possible like yeah you know, yeah. I had a conversation with my stepdad yesterday when we when LSU won. Shout out to the uh, LSU Fighting Tigers and shout out to Notre Dame. We both fucking won. How is it that well, Notre Dame barely pulled that? Hey, out, hey, man. hey, 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 hey! We're not getting into the details about this. <laughs> More importantly, Michigan dominated Wisconsin. Back in the conversation for the playoffs. So oh bullshit! Bullshit. Just wait till Ohio State waxes y'all's ass. But no, what I was saying is, like, how is it that 41-year-old Tom Brady looks so much better than 37-year-old Eli Manning? Like, how does that happen? Because Tom Brady is better than Eli Manning. But, like, age, man. Like, age has got to have a factor in this. Like, they should at least be... Yeah, I mean, keep in mind a couple. First of all, you got, I mean, just modern, you know nutrition and exercise science and you know brady and breeze and all these guys have the world's best nutritionists telling them exactly what to eat yeah they have the world's best like trainers telling them exactly what workouts to do so you know and that just is science that wasn't there even like 10 years ago yeah right and that slows down the aging process not to mention quarterbacks never get hit anymore man like no you're you're not allowed to hit a quarterback so like yeah compare the hits breeze is taking to the hits like Dan Marino and Joe Montana took. Yeah. And they're just, there's not the wear and tear on your body because you, you can't hit quarterbacks anymore. But all the things that are working in Breeze and Brady's favor should also be available to Eli Manning. So it's like. Yeah, Eli Manning's not good, though. That's the <laughs> difference. <laughs> yeah, um, dude, he looks. He was just. I watched that Philly game on Thursday. Dog. He just looks toast. Like, it's like, dude, 
you look awful, bro. And he's my like I he's my boy, man. I root for him because he's from New Orleans and but like damn, bro, like you are looking hot trash out there, man. I mean, and to, to, to be fair to him, that whole team is garbage. I mean, their offensive line is garbage. Yeah. They, I mean, they got a really talented kind of some weapons on offense with Beckham and, and then the Saquon Barkley kid looks looks like he's the truth too. Yeah. So they got weapons, but their offensive line is garbage. Their defense is trash. So, you know, you can't put it all on Eli. I know, and I, I really wasn't, but I just it's just remarkable how just bad he looked. Like I was like, damn, dude, he looks so bad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so you think you think Patriots over Chiefs tonight? I got the Patriots tonight, uh, and you know, in general probably to win the Super Bowl this year because they're the Patriots. Why not? Don't but... don't fuck no no. We're not doing <laughs> this. Like I'm I'm not going. Like no, I'm not no. Maybe they'll convince me tonight, but no, I'm not buying into the Patriots to win another Super Bowl. I can't I can't deal with that again. I can't. Yeah. Well, we'll see. But yeah, no, I I, I don't think that. My, my pick of the Patriots tonight is not because I don't believe in Kansas City. I think they're a very, very good team. They just have scary weapons on offense. And Andy Reid is is, a, is the perfect coach to kind of put all those ingredients together. So don't sleep on the Chiefs. But, you know, I just, I you know, just picking against Belichick is just not a smart thing to do ever. So, so I'm not going to do it. Before we get into the questions, if you still want to do the questions, who do you have winning the World Series? Uh, it's going to be Houston, I think. Um, the Astros, their, their rotation is too good. Yeah. Their their lineup is too good. Their their only weakness is their bullpen, but their starting pitching is so good that uh, I don't think they really have to use their bullpen a lot. So uh, I think the Astros. I mean, I'm I'll always root for the Red Sox, even though they're not really my team, but I'll root for them. Uh, but I was really hoping the Dodgers, man. I was really hoping the Dodgers. But yeah, from what all I've heard and what I've read, it looks like the Astros are going to repeat. They're, they're they're so good. Um, they're they're too, they're so talented and just they have four or five hitters that can just are capable of hitting a home run off of anybody. They've got, you know, they've got like three starting pitchers that would be an ace on most teams. They've got another three starting pitchers that would be probably the number two guy on most teams. You know, they're they're six deep, and then because of that, they can use their fifth and sixth guys as just like long bullpen arms if they need them. And they they just they're they're they're, they're way better than everyone else and I, I hope I'm right because I don't know if I can handle the Red Sox winning so when are the Yankees winning the next one <sighs> I don't know I, you, you, you're embarrassing me because last <laughs> time I was on here I, I sat here and I said you know the Yankees are going to win six of the next eight World Series yeah you thought excited. I forgot about I got, that huh <laughs> I got too enthusiastic um, the Yankees had a lot of problems this year uh, with a lot of injuries Aaron Boone as a first year manager made a lot of mistakes I, I'm still high on the Yankees the next few years. Um, the talent is there. This 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 year is a little bit disappointing. Wow, and it's what's going on with y'all's pitching? Won. What's going on with y'all's pitching, man? Like I was like, thought they were supposed to be yeah. good. That's the issue. I mean, Severino is supposed to be the ace. He looked like one of the best pitchers in baseball up until the All Star break, and then he didn't look very good after that. Um, I don't know what it was. I'm not, I, I, you know. Not an expert on like pitching mechanics, but there's something in what he's doing that didn't work the second half of the season, and we just didn't have enough. Uh, our starting pitching wasn't good enough to make up for that. Um, we actually won nine more games in the regular season than we did last year, from 91 wins to 100. But yeah. um, the, the, obviously, that doesn't matter. All that matters is the playoffs. So it's disappointing that they're here, but I'm still optimistic about the future. Last question on the Yankees before we get to the real questions. Why does CC Sabathia look like he's fifty-five years old? Like he looks so. <laughs> I mean, he's like thirty-eight. Yeah, and like a recovering alcoholic. So 
He lived a hard life, apparently, and I don't mean yeah. to make light of that, but I, I just I, like... I, I really like him, though. Uh, I, really, I, I think he's done. I think he's probably going to retire, but I really like CC. Um, I like that after he lost, he just went right after the umpire. He just just like, nah, we lost because that umpire is trash. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he, uh, I like CC. Anyway, let's move on to these questions. Did you get to look at them? Did you get them I all did, over? I did, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, uh, we haven't done this in a while because we've had a few themed episodes, but uh, yeah, we're back to the questions, guys. Okay, Joe, what's a skill or craft that you want to learn one day? I've always like wanted to uh, to like learn screenwriting, actually. Oh yeah, something that yeah, and I know that you did that for a while. Yeah, I, I'd like to take a class on it, and I probably will someday. It's just like a a skill that I think I could be good at if I yeah. tried. So yeah, dabbled. I still uh, I still dabble. Uh, yeah, man, I actually took a class last year on it, a writing class on it. I haven't. Re- it's a lot of fun, but it's very unless you have a partner you're doing it with. Yeah. It's very isolating and it's very time consuming and it's very draining. Yeah. Uh, that's why I like podcasting a lot more because it's a lot more. Right. It's a lot more immediate and a lot more collaborative and it's a lot more fun that way. But one day yeah. I'll pick it up again. I just haven't. It's so. It's you have to put a schedule around it. You have to like dedicate like okay from six o'clock tonight to ten o'clock tonight. I'm nothing. Yeah. I'm not leaving. And it's very. It's not for the. It's it's fun though. It's so much fun. It's so rewarding yeah. too. So yeah, it's. Uh, I will say one last thing. Like it's not mis- Like I I wish people could demystify it for a lot of people. It's not as hard. Like the actual doing it is not. It's it's not hard. It's not that yeah. hard. It's very logical and it's very. But the artistry comes in. It's like finding the right wording, finding the right pacing, the right, you know, that's where the craft comes in where you're like, you have to do it so much that you just immediately know, okay, what can I play around with and stuff like that. It's so much fun, dude. It's so much fun. Yeah. Okay. That's great, man. You really struck a chord with me because I really love when people are talking about screenwriting. (laughs) Okay. What's what's your favorite TV show? You know, either currently on the air or once on the air. what, What would you say? So I would say either my, my my top two ever are The Wire and The Sopranos. Uh, really, Sopranos? I love those shows for different reasons. Sorry, what'd you say? I said The Sopranos. I would have never pegged you as a Sopranos fan. I thought I knew you were oh, a Wire fan, but I didn't know you were a Sopranos fan. Yeah, I, I love both of those shows. They're, they're they're my two favorites, but for totally different reasons, right? Because yeah. they're about really different things. The Wire is all about society and kind of the message The Wire sends is like no matter how much. Any one individual with good intentions tries to change yeah. the system. The system is bigger than anyone I and use, will always <laughs> protect itself. I used uh, the line yesterday with a friend. I was like, the game is the game, period. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then The Sopranos is like, it's the opposite. The Sopranos is a, is a show about like one individual. And it's, I see The Sopranos as this kind of like massive trick that was played on the audience the whole show <laughs> right they like they trick you into sympathizing with tony mm-hmm. right and they they put you inside his head and they make him this anti-hero and ultimately the trick's on you and that's what like melfi realizes at the end it's like she's been manipulated the whole time and um i, I see it as like this exercise and like what can i get the audience to, to like be able to justify. Yeah. Did you? Uh, uh, it's like a really interesting psychological. Show. Did the ending bother you? I know there was a lot of controversy about the last I episode. The I love the ending. Oh, okay. Because mm-hmm. the ending was the ultimate trick on the audience, right? The ending was the ultimate like psych. You, you, 
became one with him and you like allowed him to get away with all these atrocities by by getting inside his head and now when he dies you die right like <laughs> you yeah I, I see it as like the ultimate fuck you to the audience and i loved it <laughs> <laughs> what about uh west wing i thought you were a big west wing fan oh west wing's right up there uh it's, it's hard to like i mean i love the west wing it's one of my favorite shows ever but it's just like hard to like you watch that show now and you're like it's so optimistic about politics it almost <laughs> seems like irrelevant now um which that, i mean it's an old i guess you know it was wrestling around from what like 99 to 05 so it's not that old yeah but it was a different era back then that's like, uh, it, just politics were not as divisive and as as you know that's how I feel uh, about uh, as they are now. That's how I feel about the newsroom. Like I loved the newsroom when it was on, but now I'm just like, man, you might as well have come out in the fucking 1960s, man. You were just not even close to what. Well, I, well the newsroom. I actually see the newsroom as like Aaron Sorkin's like more pessimistic version of uh, of the West Wing, right? Like yeah. it, the the newsroom. He like rewrote the West Wing for a more divided time. Yeah, um, but it also. I just I, – I can't – there's self-righteousness. I, I dug it at the time. I really did dig it at the time. I was able to tolerate it at the time. But like it just comes off as like, yeah, this is so fictional. I can't get past it anymore. I like the characters. Yeah, well, I, love the show. The, 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 the Bin Laden episode of the newsroom is one of my favorite episodes yeah. of TV ever. Yeah. Um, but, but it was fantastic. But anyway, let's move on to the next question. Oh, what's something, you know, a joke, a movie, a video, or a meme – that makes you laugh every time. Oh, good question. Um, this is this is this is random answer, okay. but it's just the first thing that popped into my head. Um, there's like before before the election when Trump was just a candidate, mm-hmm. there was like this this like fake thing that George Takei wrote <laughs> that was like Trump. It was like his rendition of Trump answering the question, "What is two plus two? And it just like mocks his style of speaking, and it's very funny. <laughs> just look up like George Takei Trump math, yeah, and you will laugh. You will laugh very hard. All right, next question. Uh, ooh, ooh, this will be interesting. Who was your first crush? You know, either you know in real life or you know celebrity, either or. Well, celebrity Scarlett Johansson, <laughs> my only celebrity crush ever. Um, she's just perfect. But uh. <laughs> I don't, I don't even I don't even know my first real crush. It was like fourth grade or some shit. I forgot her name. But um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Let's just go with Scarlett Johansson. Let's well, just leave it at that. Let's just call the fourth grader. Not to impugn your current uh, uh, girlfriend, but like the one that got away, right? <laughs> yeah, let's just call her that. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, what's your favorite dessert? Cheesecake. A great pick. Great pick. Cheesecake. Just plain it's, cheesecake, I, I or do you prefer flavors? It's, it's or delicious. Stuff? Do you do you Sorry? mix it up? Do you mix it up a bit, or do you just go plain cheesecake? Plain cheesecake's fine, but you know, chocolate cheesecake, strawberry cheesecake, yeah. raspberry cheesecake. Ooh. I, I love the cheesecakes. Ooh. See, mine's a, and I can't really eat it because obviously it has dairy in it. But like creme brulee, fuck, I love creme mm. brulee. Love me mm, some creme brulee. Good stuff. Uh, okay. Good stuff. Now this would be a really good question because you are, you know, you actually work around powerful people day to day. If you could trade places with a famous and or powerful person alive today, you know, for like a day, a week, a month, however long, who would it be? Since you kind of took it in the politics direction, I, I, I think it would be really cool to be like the Speaker of the House. Mm. Not not necessarily like Paul Ryan, yeah. but just like the, that position in general to be yeah. the Speaker of the House and yeah. to like be in charge of all the machinations behind what goes on. That would be awesome. <laughs> also, you know, I just 
want to be Drew Brees because he's perfect. <laughs> Greatest human being to ever walk the earth, man. My Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's great, man. Yeah, I always said uh, it still is the same answer for me as Bob Iger, the uh, CEO of the Walt Disney Company. And it's just like, oh, yeah. That would be. That's pretty sweet. I'm fascinated. Like, I would just want to know, like, if I could just shadow Bob Iger for like a day or two. Like, dude, what is that dude's day like? Like, I'm just like, I'm fascinated by that shit. I went on like a congressional staff trip to LA a couple mm-hmm. months ago. It was back in May, I think. Yeah. And it was like a trip sponsored by like the the tech trade industry. Yeah. Trade trade union. Um, and one of the places they took us was like Disney Animation Studios. It was so fucking cool. It's it's incredible what they do. Okay, so pretty weird question, but would you rather drive in a NASCAR race or drive in a monster truck rally? I mean, monster truck seems kind of safer. <laughs> and I, I'm pretty sure if I drove in an Asker race, I would die. So <laughs> I mean, like, are we assuming I have the skills to do it? Yes, yes, yes. If I have yes, the skills yes, to do yes. it, I would drive in an Asker race. Yes, assuming that you were qualified. Right now, <laughs> drove in an Asker race, I would definitely <laughs> So let's go, let's go monster truck. Okay, that's great. I, uh... I think, yeah, granted the ability that I was qualified to drive in a NASCAR, I think I'd go right. NASCAR. I am, I am not nearly a good enough driver to do that. Uh, <laughs> so. And I, I, I don't, like, my, I left my car in New Orleans, so I really only drive when I go home, so it's, yeah. like, not even, I don't even drive that much. So, oh, yeah. man. Uh, Dangerous. I don't want to sound arrogant, but I think I could, I'm not saying I could just hop into a NASCAR race today, but I think I could, like, hop in a NASCAR race a lot sooner than the average person. I think I'm a right. really... Knock on wood. I think I'm a really great driver. So, anyway, well, there you go. You can do the NASCAR. There I'll you be go. your um, <laughs> your pit crew, pit man. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, last question, and we'll wrap it up. And thank you again for being on, Joe. I always appreciate it, man. Uh, what's some good advice you wish you would have had in the past, or like, what's some advice you would like tell like a young person now? Uh, good question. Um, I'll give you a kind of random answer, but uh, sure. Like learning coding. Yeah. Um, no one told me in like high school that like you need to learn coding because <laughs> everything is like it will be the most important skill to have in the world in a few years. Uh, yeah. So you know I know nothing about that, and I wish I did because I think it's just it is it you know is becoming the most important skill in the world. Everything revolves around it, and will continue to do so. So if any of the kids are listening, like listening out there, learn to learn to code. I would say the same. Like if I. Especially since I work in accounting now, I really wish I could go tell my like eighteen or seventeen year old self, like, "Hey, Microsoft Excel, learn the fuck out of it. Like, right. learn that shit today. Like, get right. on that because that is so valuable." But what about some like wisdom? What would like any drops of wisdom you would give to young Joe Lustick or what? Mm, wisdom. I don't know. Uh, wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. I've, I've never been very wise. I'm kind of an idiot. Uh, which is funny because you're like, like one of my smartest you know, you know, friends. I, I, I guess like just, I don't know that I wish someone had told me this because I think I've already I, I think I've been good at this throughout my young life. Is yeah. uh, you know surround yourself with friends who care about you and and um, you know are, are are willing to give you good advice. I think I've done really good job in my that's one of the things i've done best in my life so far is i have great friends and i've like been able to surround myself with people that i can always talk to and lean on and and really are will always give me honest advice and an honest assessment of 
of situations, and, and that is incredibly valuable. You can't do it alone. No one can. Yeah. Uh, you need to surround yourself with good people. Amen to that, my, my brother. Uh, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Joe, thank you so much for doing this. I think this will definitely be coming out Wednesday, guys, and that'll be the 8th, 17th. Uh, and then the next episode is not going to be politically themed. I think next episode, since it is coming out on the actual day of Halloween, it'll be a Halloween themed episode. I don't know what that'll be, but we'll figure, we'll fucking figure it out. Uh, maybe we can talk about why I don't fuck with Halloween. Like I just have never been into Halloween. Uh, Wednesday is also uh, Pelicans' first game of the season. So oh yes, basketball season is upon us. Yes, basketball season is upon us, and maybe next year, right before our playoffs, we can talk about or next time around. Next year around the spring, you and I could talk about NBA playoffs. Yeah, we could talk about uh, why the Warriors won the championship. <laughs> anyway, all right, Joe, that's going to do it for us, man. Thank you again so much for doing this, brother. All right, have a, have a good one, John. All right, Always man, I'll, to talk to you. I'll catch you later. Later. Bye.